if money didn't matter. Business is a tool for life. You don't get what you want in life. You only get what you're willing to suffer for. You're entering the age of entrepreneurs with Clark Varon. How world-class entrepreneurs succeed in business and life. Today I've got two special guests. This is the first time we've done a three-way podcast. And uh, today I'm bringing on my good friends, Eric Simonson and Ethan Jung from Abundo Wealth Management. Now, there's a funny story behind this because I was initially supposed to bring on some celebrity hotshot guy who was also a financial advisor and had shown up with Robert Kiyosaki and had been published in Forbes a million times. And then I saw that he was basically selling all of these, uh, I don't know how to say it nicely, but not so great products to people that quite frankly, I feel like are a scam. So I wanted to bring on my two friends to talk about what real financial advising was like, because uh, these two guys, I believe, are changing the financial advising industry uh, more significantly than anyone else. So welcome, Eric. Welcome, Ethan. Thank you so much, Clark. That was a very Thank thoughtful, you. thoughtful introduction for sure. Yeah. Well, why don't we start off with just um, a little bit of background of like where both of you come from? Like, what are what are your backstories? I suppose we could start with Eric. Perfect. So, yeah, um, I'm going to give you the long version if you're okay with that. And this is one that I don't often tell. So, I was an English major in college at the University of Minnesota. Uh, I always had an affinity for, you know, the arts, right? Music, literature, arts, um, movies, etc. And so I went into I went into school to become potentially like an English teacher. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I was an English major. And right around my sophomore year, I met my wife, well, my soon-to-be wife, and she was like, "Yeah, you can't just graduate with an English major. That's not going to cut it." Like. <laughs> That's not, you know, a husband material in my book, right? No offense to my people out there. All my English majors, you're my people, right? But I, uh, so what I did is I tacked on a business minor uh, at the Carlson School of Management, business minor, and my mom caught wind of this and she's like, oh, wow, you know, my sweetie, my sweetie is uh, getting an interest in business. And so she happened to tell that to her financial advisor at Ameriprise Financial and he said, well, that's fortuitous because I'm hiring an intern this summer. So I got hired then as an intern at Ameriprise. I think I was 21 and I spent the first, I don't know, four weeks of the internship just learning the trade. And what I learned, and this is, this is where I kind of, this is why I want to tell the story. What I learned is that financial advising was one of the few professions where you had the ability to do um, three things. Number one was set your own schedule. You know, you could, if you were successful in financial advising, you could really uh, work when you wanted to and, and work where you wanted to and dictate kind of the future you want to have. And at the time, this was before, you know, it was really cool to, you know, be a digital nomad and work from home. So that was exciting to me at, you know, 21, right? I thought, oh, wow, I can, I can really control my own schedule. So that was exciting. Number two, he said, you know, this was at the time, this was my mentor who was, who was telling me this. He said, you have the ability to make a lot of money. And I thought, okay, well, that also sounds good. I can, I can work anywhere I want. I can set my schedule and I can make a lot of money, sign me up. But the third thing is I think the most important thing. 
and he said, financial advising is one of the few careers where you have the ability to truly make a difference in the lives of the people you interact with or interact with. And at the time it didn't really hit me the, the magnitude of that. But as I've now gone 13 years strong into my career, um, those words are so true. So that's, what's kept me in the business is just the fact that I have the opportunity to see so many different people and in, in different stages of lives and know that I'm helping them and know that I'm, I'm able to play a small part in, in, you know, them accomplishing their goals. So, you know, as an intern, I saw that there was a career there. I, um, I worked hard. I got hired as a, basically an unlicensed assistant, um, at a, uh, franchise of Ameriprise Financial, and I worked hard. I, I quickly became licensed, um, basically became a licensed assistant. And then I um, found that I had, you know, a skills and a knack in the business. And so I was made an advisor um, when I was 23, I believe, and um, just kept working, working hard and eventually um, grew from, you know, being an advisor to leading other advisors to um, eventually partner and kind of chief chief operating officer um, at a big Ameriprise practice. So that, that's my background. That's awesome. I like, I like the part about the husband material. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have uh, not heard that part before. No, I don't say it often. I definitely don't <laughs> say it often. So. Yeah. I got to say like, uh, when I think about financial advising, I, I always tell people like if I uh, wasn't so into marketing, I would want to be a financial advisor. Like that's, you know, dead honest, uh, because financial advisors are like the closest thing there is to life coaches. Yeah. Financial advisors actually make a difference in people's lives. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so true. Um, you know, our, our jobs have a lot of personality characteristics that are the same as, as both life coaches and marriage therapists, actually. Mm -hmm. No way. Mary, yeah. I, I want to come back to the marriage therapy. Perfect. Thing. Yeah. I, I certainly want to come back to that. Um, so we didn't really get into like why you felt like there needed to be a huge shift. Uh, maybe Ethan, in your backstory, you can kind of explain like what your experience was and why you feel like the industry is kind of, you know, ready for change. Yeah. So I, similarly to uh, Eric in college, I was not a business major. I came from actually environmental science background. Um, but essentially, I really just wanted to do something with my life that would make the most impact. And kind of throughout my college experience, I really did a lot of self-educating on personal finance and essentially just like all the basics, all the things that, you know, we're not, we're not taught at school. We're not, you know, some of us aren't taught by our parents. And, you know, really reflecting back on life, the only financial education that I can remember getting out of you know growing up and, and uh you know school and stuff like that was we one week we had a uh exercise where we pick stocks and it was just our teacher just said you know just pick 10 stocks just pick whatever whatever looks good to you just do that and we're gonna see who wins and <laughs> you know essentially it was just you know we were we were young and it essentially was just a complete random like you know we were all like oh how did they do in the last week and, you know, none of us really knew, but that was the only financial, you know, Dame advice no. that, yeah, it, you know, it's like, and 
Yeah. <laughs> the simulator, it's, uh, you know, it's like you get a thousand, you know, dollars of like simulation money and go make more money with it. And it literally was just a, a guessing game between the entire class and whoever guessed right one. Yeah, exactly. And as I started doing a lot of, of reading on personal finance basics and things like that, I mean, it, it felt like I was reading the like cheat codes to life. It was like all these things that you need to do to be to be successful. And so I took that and, you know, since I didn't have a, a business background, I basically just had to bootstrap uh, my own business, which is where I, I started a financial coaching business. And so I was, you know, just doing whatever I can to help people my age learn the basics of personal finance, learn like cash flow management and how to pay down debt and, you know, basic investing strategies, things like that. Um, and through doing that, I eventually uh, met someone at the company Northwestern Mutual, and I learned about being a financial representative there. And I thought, you know, this would be a great way to kind of take what I'm doing, making a bigger impact, but have a bigger, you know, name, a bigger brand behind me to give me some legitimacy. So I went to Northwestern Mutual. What could go and, wrong? <laughs> and I mean, I... I, w I was kind of wary, wary going into it, you know, but I, everyone there was great people and everyone there, you know, wanted, you know, wanted to do the same thing. They were there to make an impact, you know, like Eric was saying, it's a, it's a really attractive field for people who want to do that. And, um, as I was there, I, I started to, f uh, feel though the pressure of the business model that they have, which is a commission based business model. And as I was working with my clients, you know, it, it, it constantly felt like I was being pulled to help them plan their finances in a certain way. And, you know, the business model has worked great for them. It's, it's, it's worked for people, but it just didn't quite agree with my uh, investment philosophies, philosophies. And I think Eric could talk a little bit more about kind of what, what those are. So. I want you to talk about it. What you? What were you doing at Northwestern Mutual? <laughs> like, what was? <laughs> yeah. What was going on so, behind the scenes? <laughs> so, kind of the the core the core philosophy of Northwestern Mutual is that they they you know started as an insurance company, um, and then at some point became a broker dealer as well. So they you know sell insurance, they sell life insurance, they sell disability insurance other kinds as well and they also help people invest their money um when i joined northwestern mutual the basically the the only thing i had to do to become a financial representative was get a uh, a license to sell life insurance and disability insurance and basically the way that i could have people become my clients was to sell them life insurance and disability insurance. And so, was it like, did it feel kind of like a call center? Like every day going into work, you're at a call center. Cause this is how I imagine, this is how I imagine the inside of it is like a whole bunch of college kids with like very little experience, but like sales scripts that they're following, yeah. just like hitting the phone, calling people with like no background in financial planning, like no investment, like solid investment philosophies not to throw Northwestern Mutual under the bus, but there's a lot of other companies like that doing the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, 
they they really do do a lot to try to help train people there, but it's not that's not entirely off from what it was like. You're, um, you're trained as a sales rep. You're trained to sell products. You're not trained to actually do real financial planning. Um, yeah, it, the sales sales came first. Sales came, you know, how do we how do we get people to become clients? And their you know their philosophy around that is that people don't really move to action quickly around money. So they're like, they say, you know, how can we just get people to do something? And that's something, you know, for as, as much as we, as much as I, you know, in my, in my experience at that point, realized that a lot of financial situations are different. Pretty much the, the way that plans were always, you know, pushed there, you know, no matter if it was a, a young couple, that's just getting started. It was a, you know, an older, you know, single person. It didn't matter. It was, you know, life insurance, disability insurance was always, you know, the first uh, product to get sold. And, you know, because not that those are- get out the door. It was just like, hey, everyone- Get out the door. Everyone could yeah. use this stuff. I mean, not not really, but that's that was the yeah. philosophy they had. And not that they're not beneficial, but it's just not, it wasn't always the best thing, you know, for clients to have in every situation. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the tough lesson. Like one of the reasons why I was so excited to bring Eric and Ethan on is because this is a tough lesson that I learned probably like my senior year of college where I read the book Unshakable by Tony Robbins. And I was like screaming and kicking. I want to throw the book out the window because I was so mad. I was like, I got to tell people what the hell, like what is going on? Like people yeah. are blind. And, um, and like it, like the bigger, one of the bigger things that I want Eric to talk about now a little bit is like the fees that come with all this stuff. Like not only are you selling stuff just to get stuff out the door so you can get collected commission, but it can like rob people of your life savings, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Ethan came from an insurance background and, you know, he saw much more around why that isn't always appropriate for clients. And and my background was much more based in, in financial planning and, um, you know, for lack of a better term, um, you know, investing help. And, uh, you know, what I'll say is that my time in Ameriprise, I did really great financial planning. I think Ameriprise Financial, and I, I still to this day tell people, you know, if they want to learn, uh, if they want to go to a broker dealer and learn how to do financial planning, that's a good company to learn. Um, mm -hmm. And so I never, I never um, had any, any, you know, issues with, with that side of things. But, but what I saw during my time there was, uh, you know, I saw that in the 12 years I was there, there were companies like Vanguard that were becoming bigger and bigger influences on our industry. And there were companies like Schwab and companies like Fidelity. And, and these, these firms were offering, you know, zero cost or extremely low cost investments that to me, I thought, well, that makes sense. I should tell my clients, Hey, go invest there. But when you work for a big firm like Ameriprise and Northwestern Mutual, you can't what's called sell away. You know, you can't recommend, Oh, go go to go buy an insurance policy at this firm, or go buy investments at this firm because I think that's a better fit for you. Um, you're not allowed to do that, and that was hard because I, I I felt like, 
well, there's, again, so many great low-cost investment options out there, but I can't recommend them. Um, and, you know, as I started to have this feeling, I started to also look at, you know, what, what you're really getting for um, the fees that, that financial advisors charge for investments. And, you know, the average, I think, in our industry is about 1% to 1.5% all in for the cost of investing. So, you know, if you have $100,000, that's called $1,500 a year in fees. If you've got, you know, a million dollars, that's $15,000 a year in fees. And I just thought, well, for that level of fee, right, there should be outperformance. There should be some sort of additional value you're getting. And, uh, you know, 1.5% more on your investments. Right, right. Mm at least you should be able to recoup that in the work that they're doing. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, for advisors that don't charge for financial planning and only charge on, on the investment side, you know, some of that fee is being recouped for the financial planning part of it, but, but it's really not, you know, not all of it I would say is being recouped um, because more often than not, you're not actually, going to beat the market. You know, that was, I think the big realization that, that I've had and that Ethan, I know has that, um, nobody, you know, me, Ethan, nobody can tell you that they can consistently beat the stock market, you know, not mutual fund managers, not hedge fund managers, not active portfolio, you know, managers. Uh, it's, it's really, really, really hard to do that in this day and age with so much technology and, and so much big data out there that, um, it's hard, it's hard to beat the market. And so I thought, you know, well, why, why would I pay this extra investment fee um, for the hope of outperforming when I'm not likely to do that, when I could just save all that money and then buy the index or buy the, you know, buy the market as a whole. And, you know, these thoughts were starting to form in my mind and and then I started to put some numbers behind it. And yeah, I was blown away that, um, I mean, this is something Clark that you, that you saw too, that, you know, if you, um, if you, invest for 50 years, you know, five zero, um, for every dollar that you invest, um, that dollar would turn into, oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm fractured. Yeah, I, I got it. I got yeah, it. Yeah. If you invest a dollar today, then it grows at 7% for 50 years, then it'll turn into 30 bucks. But if you have a 2% fee attached to that 7%, then it only grows at 5% each year for 50 years and you're only left with $10. So you put up hundred percent of the capital, you take hundred percent of the risk and you only get 33% of the return. Right. Right. Which yeah. is mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing, you know, and, and, and we see that with our clients, you know, that we show them the impact of fees on their portfolio. And it, for some people, it, it makes the difference of retiring seven, eight years earlier if they didn't have those fees. Yeah. Which we, is, which, We've, uh, we've, we've seen with some of our clients where they go from, you know, where they can barely even, where they can barely retire, it's like they're 50, 50% on track to retire, where they are then with no fees ending with, you know, $5 million in today's dollars at the end of their uh, lives, which is, it's crazy. That's such a, such an insane difference from, you know, a one to 2% fee. So they go from 50, 50 chance to retire to, to like blowing it out of the water, like blowing it out. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, so then what, what happened was I, uh, I decided that, you know, not only did I think that clients should have the right to have access to these low cost investments, um, via, you know, via Vanguard or, or Ally or Schwab or wherever. Um, but I also felt like, 
the way our industry was progressing is more and more financial advisors were starting to, um, because of the way that they were compensated, which was again, through a percentage of assets that they chart, you know, that they manage, um, more and more advisors were refusing to work with younger clients because somebody comes with $20,000, you know, investments, mm-hmm. no financial advisor is going to want to work with them because they're only going to make, you know, hundred, 200, $300 a year. And so a lot of people are being turned away and say, nope, you know, come back when you've got half a million or come back when you have a million. And yeah. that didn't jive with me because those were my people. You know, I was still young. I, hopefully I, I still am young and, and I wanted to work with people <laughs> my age. Right. And a lot of them just didn't have the wealth that kind of was needed to get in the door. And so, um, I, I think it's important for people to understand like the two different types of models that existed before Abundo. Like yeah. there was the commission based where I'm going to shove stuff down your throat that you don't actually need. And I know I'm being a little like aggressive here, but that's, that's because I feel so passionately about it. So commission based is I'm going to sell you stuff you don't need. And I'm going to give you bad investment advice because the more expensive product that I sell you, the higher commission that I get. So like the worst, the worst advice I give you, the more I get paid. Like that's obviously a huge conflict of interest. And then there's the assets under management model which uh, in our work together, we, we came to know them as like asset hoarders, <laughs> right? Because they get paid based off of like how much money they manage for you. And if you don't have a lot of money for them to manage, then they say, well, I don't want to work with you because you're not, you aren't going to be able to pay me anything. Right. You can't pay me enough. Right. You simply don't have the assets, which left this huge gap of like young people who don't quite have half a million bucks yet to work with one of these guys. And that's where the, that's, that was the problem. And that's probably why so many like young people today still feel like, oh, I don't need a financial advisor or they get repelled by financial advisors because they don't know that Abundo has created this third option that exists for people who need advice, but aren't super rich yet. Right. Right. Yep. Totally. And I think, you know, I think the assets under management model too also has some hidden conflicts of interest that, I think sometimes get, you know, put under the rug and the, you know, the big one I I always think of is we always get asked by our clients, you know, is it better to invest or to pay down debt? You know, that's like almost every single new client asks us that. And if I'm getting get paid based on managing my client's assets, I'm going to be incentivized to tell them it's better to invest, right? put that money with me, invest it. Right. Because I'm going to make money, even though it might actually not be the best thing for them when they, you know, when they have this outstanding debt. So that's, that's a conflict there that I didn't want to have to, I didn't want to have to manage. I did not want to have to like go through this ethical checklist in my mind of like weighing income versus, you know, versus recommendations. Mm -hmm. So I, I tried to create a model that completely did away with that. So what should people do? They need financial advice. They're young. What's, what's, what's the option that you, that you've created? <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's actually uh, so simple that it, you would think it, it's already existed for a long time, which is simply pay for advice. You know, our clients pay us a flat fixed monthly subscription from their credit card or from their bank account, you know, ACH. And we give them advice on every single thing in their financial life. Um, including, you know, setting up a a low cost diversified portfolio Mm -hmm. and we never make a single dollar on any recommendation we ever give them. Yeah. It's kind of like when you go to the doctor, it's like you you have a problem, you go to the doctor, 
you talk to the doctor. The doctor says like, hey, I think that, you know, you, you've got, they diagnose you and they're like, go get this prescription. Exactly right. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the, the, it's, you know, the doctor um, isn't getting paid by Lipitor, you know, to sell you whatever Lipitor does, right? Yeah. So like the doctor gives you this prescription and like the doctor's job is done. He doesn't like keep making money on you after that. You just like went in, you got the advice you needed. Right. And now you can get healthy again. Right. Yep. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's, that's the idea. And it's been, um, it's been surprising. And I think Ethan would agree with this. It's, just, it's been surprising, but also really reaffirming how excited people are about it and how, you know, how quickly we've grown. Um, you know, I don't have any formal data, but I know that the average financial planning practice brings on about six clients a year per advisor. Um, and you know, within our first year, we're already, um, nearing a hundred. So it's been, you know, pretty exciting to just have that level of growth and, Mm -hmm. and that, you know, the, the people kind of get it. They say, well, this is exactly what I was looking for. You know, this is the model that I, I wanted. This is the model I didn't know existed. Um, and that's been wonderful to see. So one thing that we always talk about on the show is like the struggle of becoming an entrepreneur. So you basically, you saw this pain point, you came up with the model. You're like, Hey, people need to just pay for advice. Like why aren't, why aren't financial advisors like doctors? Why is this all this hidden stuff underneath the surface that we just hide from our clients to, to basically, you know, make more money. Um, and then at some point you must've quit Ameriprise and gone off on this journey. Uh, yeah. And I, I know that there's some interesting stuff that happened on that journey. So why, why don't you share it? Well, it's, uh, 